0: Hello and welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles. You are listening to the podcast edition while Macalester College is on lockdown. Our studio has been closed, so we're doing our spring semester shows on the podcast. You can tune in to all the shows at BlastBeatBikes.com. We're excited to have with us on the phone today the gang from Grief Collector. Gentlemen, welcome. How are you doing? Thank you. How are you? Great. So why don't we take a minute and have you just each uh, give a quick introduction of yourself and what you do in the band.
1: Uh, I am Brad, ahead, and Brad. I play drums. I'm drums, and I'm Brad. Uh, I'm Matt. I am Robert, and I am the mouth hole.
2: I'm Matt, and I do uh, bass and guitars. Uh,
0: how long have you guys been working together as a, as a group?
2: Uh, since 2017, we
0: got this thing started. And how did you guys get together initially? What was the initial impetus for the band?
1: Uh, yeah, I just... Um, you know, I had a I had a band that it just uh disbanded and I was kind of in between music and just uh kinda needed an outlet I guess to um express some things that were going on and stuff like that. So I kinda came up with a, a concept of what I thought might be kinda cool to to uh, do as an album revolving around these, you know, five stages of grief and um just kinda came up with the name actually going through um, uh, Candlemas album and I looked and I found uh, the, the, the name through on one of the songs and I was like oh that's that's pretty cool so I just uh, called Matt and asked him if he was interested in in you know playing uh, on this project uh, and I told him what it was about and, and he seemed pretty on board with it so we just kind of came up with ideas came up with uh, you know some structures and stuff like that down my basement and uh, just kind of Uh, Took a while to really uh, get things going since the you know the distance with Matt and I as far as uh, travel goes, and so um, finally you know we had these songs ready and and it uh, just took form actually pretty quickly once we kind of got the ball rolling.
0: Robert, how did you come to uh, join the band?
3: Well, basically um, Brad sent me a clip of some of their stuff, and I gave it a couple of listens, and I was like. I'm on board and let's do this, tear this up.
0: And so when did you all get together and record that first, uh, that first record? Was it January,
3: February?
1: Yeah. So it was January, January of 2019. Um, you know, the music was already written. Matt and I had already, you know, had all that stuff done and, Mm -hmm. and had everything, uh, musically done. And, you know, I had, I had written the lyrics, um, for the album, and then we had, you know, uh, Rob fly in and th- probably the coldest time uh, on Ever.
3: record. Uh, <laughs> and, uh,
1: and uh, right, and I, I remember picking up Rob at the airport, and I'm just thinking, man, this guy is not ready for what we have in store for him, <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, so I just we, flown uh,
3: in from Phoenix, and we were sitting around about 115 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, what were you
0: thinking, bringing a Phoenix guy up here in the middle of winter uh
1: well you know i i didn't really know i mean i, I i've seen <laughs> i i you know i've seen robert here you know i've, I've i was lucky enough to see solitude eternus in minneapolis and i was lucky enough to see Candlemas, so i knew that you know this guy you know is traveling around the world but i mean we're bringing him to literally like the coldest time <laughs> you know and I mean, even I was like, man, this is cold, and I'm from Minnesota. So um, I, I wasn't sure if he was prepared, but I know he's a trooper. So, you know, we got it done, and, and uh, you know, the product obviously speaks for itself. I'm,
0: I'm always curious to know uh, how uh, people who are in, in touring bands and, and professional musicians got their start in music. Do you guys mind taking us all the way back in the Wayback Machine and talking about how you first got involved in music?
3: I... uh shit. I, uh, started playing piano when I was like five and did that for several years until I was about 11 and decided that, well, piano ain't so cool. I think I'm going to be a rock star. You know, and that's an 11 year old talking Amazing. and got my first guitar and amp for like 40 bucks from the pawn shop. And it just kind of went from there. And throughout the years, you know, when I was 14, Started my first punk band called The Holy, and uh, got some guys together and had to sneak into venues so we could play. And then from there, went on to another project called Graven Image, where I played guitar and sang. It was a three-piece. And uh, actually, uh, Lyle from uh, SA was my bass player at the time. We did Graven Image for a while, and then that kind of fizzled. And um, Lyle was going to college with JP, John Perez, and he had his Doom project started, and Lyle gave me a call and said, hey, we need a vocalist, and I said, hey, I'm a guitarist, and uh, went ahead and (laughs) went over there one afternoon to the warehouse, guard, imagine that, everybody playing out of the warehouse, (laughs) and it just kind of took off from there, you know, with S.A., and... Y'all know the history of SA, and then it ended up turning into CMAS. So that's that's the short and sweet.
0: So how was how was it a difficult transition for you to go to just being a vocalist? I mean, not just being a vocalist, but not having to worry about the guitar parts as well.
3: Uh, I mean, obviously, like you know, at the onset, it was weird not having my guitar strapped to me, and you know, I felt a little naked sometimes up front. But after a while, it just didn't matter. It was like, hey, freedom. (laughs) <laughs> You're not tied down to anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, load in for a show. What am I going to carry? It's already up there on the stage. <laughs>
0: that's what the drum for, anyway.
3: <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's that's a short and sweet. Wow, Matt, what was your
0: uh, what was your introduction to music?
2: Uh, but I got started uh, at a fairly young age playing piano, also like Robert. But for some reason, I wonder why. I just didn't enjoy the music that they were teaching me. I mean, think about, like, Mary Had a Little Lamb, and and I was, like, listening to Bad Company and Led Zeppelin on the AM radio. I had Atlanta Falcons football helmet that I would fall asleep to every night with WLS out of Chicago, blasting all the classic rock of the day. And even at a young age, that's what I loved. And so I went from trying to understand all the hockey sticks on the you know, to read to read uh, music. You know, those little golf clubs
0: <laughs> yep. on the mu-
2: on the music yeah. score. <laughs> Trying to remember which line I was on, and I started cheating and took a pencil and wrote on my parents' ivory-keyed, you know, grand piano. You know, <laughs> almost like almost like modern-day tablature for that day for guitars. You know, like tablature will tell you. You know, put your. You know, instead of playing a G, they would say.
0: Put your finger here.
2: Six-string, third third fret, and it would show a little dot on that where to put your finger, you know. I don't take credit for Tab, but I probably (laughs) started it early. And then... (laughs) But uh, moving forward, I went through some moves with my family, and I really didn't get back to playing an instrument until I was 18 years old. And I was really, really into all the 80s hair metal guitar geniuses, you know, and they're like my heroes, and I just, I was dating my wife at the time, and she went to the U of M, and so I'd go up and visit her at the University of Minnesota, and it, when she had classes, I'm like, well, what do I do, you know, so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to learn to play guitar, and I went down to, uh, and Brad might remember where it's at, somewhere in either Minneapolis or St. Paul, but it was an old kind of neighborhood guitarist or music store called Nut Goody or something like that.
1: Oh, Nut right, Goodie.
2: New kit,
0: oh, yes. yeah. That's
2: right. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's there anymore. But I, so I just went in and I told the guy, "I have no idea what I'm doing. Get me started." And he set me up with an old Electra get electric guitar. And I went home and I thought I can do this and hit the strings and it made this awful noise. It wasn't even in tune. And <laughs> and so I took a, a crash course in rock guitar at my local music store and. uh learned everything by ear. Watching, I had uh, Doug Mark's Metal Method on VHS tapes nice. and uh, learned stuff from that. And then, you know, of course, I had a subscription to Guitar World and Guitar Player Magazine, which had, you know, monthly tablature in there on, cert- on different songs. And I just kind of learned it on my own from there. I got the basics of, you know, how to play a, a few basic chords and then just kind of took it from there. And then, of course, you join a band and uh, it forces you... To get as good as you can as fast as you can because obviously you don't want to go on stage and completely suck which i don't know if i've mastered that yet but you know basically i spent a lot of years in cover bands and you know the original thing was always a a side project and I i wish looking back that i would have done more original music from the start but it just didn't work out that way for me
1: brad what
0: was your start in music
1: well that's a that's a hard story to follow i actually started off playing guitar but I could, never, I could never figure it out. Like, my f- fingers were too fat, and I just couldn't, like, I, just, I'm just not that coordinated. So, um, you know, I, I was a huge KISS fan, you know, like I think me and Jason had talked about before. And, you know, I opened up KISS Alive 2, and I just, you know, saw that drum riser and that, you know, that huge spectacle. And I was just like, I want to do that. I actually started playing uh, drums on, you know, the old coffee cans, the metal coffee cans with the plastic, Lids on them, nice. and you know like the old you know one gallon ice cream buckets with the plastic lids with my mom's knitting needles um, <laughs> and uh, and I actually destroyed like every Tupperware uh that we ever owned because of my <laughs> drumming, but you know I found out like you know the cushion on the couch was a good bass drum and you know, the book had, like, a really snappy snare sound. So I just I just started doing that. You know, I never had any musical, uh, and I don't know how to read music. I don't have, you know, sheet, I don't have no idea. I never never took band in school. It's just, I would always listen to these albums, and I would just somehow figure out, well, this is obviously the snare, and this is the kick, and this is what he, you know, what he's doing. And then uh, uh, my dad bought me my first drum set, which is a percussion plus, just had um, snare drum, kick drum, and floor tom, and uh, one cymbal that was hooked to the bass drum. Didn't never had a hi hat until I was like 14 or something like that. So yeah, I, I joined my first band when I was 14. A band called Crystal Rain, which is we did a mixture of covers and and you know mostly 80 stuff like like uh, Matt was talking about, uh, you know. But we did some originals too, and then uh, kind of just found a little bit heavier music and. Um, just I mean that's I would just all the time, you know, even driving, you know, just tapping my fingers on the on the steering wheels, just just something I've always just just loved, just that, that thunder of the drum set. So And here I am I guess, yeah.
0: You guys have all had very winding paths to get to where you are today in Grief Collector. As you think about the band and, you know, the reflect on your careers, what what do you have as a vision for the band and its music?
2: For me personally it- You know, the first album had an intent to it, you know, with the five, you know, five songs and five stages of grief. And, you know, we don't obviously are not going to repeat that for me, just each album growing, uh, staying within our, I guess, our lands of of doom metal, which we all love. And and uh, we try to encapsulate, uh, you know, a vintage or a classic style of of doom metal. I think that's all of our favorite stuff. And then, you know, hopefully as this keeps going, you know, all of us are able to collaborate even more together uh, to see what the outcome is, you know? So as long as we, Absolutely. I just hope, hopefully keep growing and coming up with uh, new, new ideas and new riffs and different tempos. And that's what keeps it in- interesting for us. And I think the fans, once they latch onto it, will really get it, especially on this new album.
1: To tack on to what Matt was saying, you know, we've never with us, all being far away from each other it's there's really hasn't been an opportunity to us to really sit down and to be a band you know and that and that's uh, th- that's a really strange thing as far as musicians go as far as anything i've experienced i've never you know i've never done things i've always been uh write songs in the practice studio together and and come up with things as as a whole and this project is is the total opposite of anything that I've been normally involved with. So to me, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a strange experience, but it's very fulfilling because it, you, you get to see all these different elements that you would not normally see, you know, like sending these things and then Matt coming back with something. I was like, Oh, I never thought that's what you would do when you see it firsthand. You're like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm jamming with him. that's cool. And, and stuff like that. And we've never actually sat down and ever played live with Rob and, We've actually never played any of the songs from the first album with Rob. And it's a strange experience being a band that's really, uh, virtual. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's more of like just a, you know, are they really a band or is this just, you know? And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's cool, but it's, you know, I, I'm looking forward to the experience of, you know, of being in the same room and, and, and having ideas bounce off of each other and, and having a real communication as far as a band go. I think that that's what I'm looking forward to the most.
0: Robert, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, on the recording process for this, the, this new record and really for the the first record too.
3: What I was going to say was, is uh, yeah, on the complete flip side of that, I'm completely used to, I know this sounds bad, but not ever, not ever being with the other guys, you know I mean with, sea mass and even the latest tyrant thing everything's been done across the country across the water you know doing uh, king of the gray islands we had just finished uh, doing alone and uh, that's when I hooked up and Leif just sent me the material and since there's like that eight nine hour time difference depending on the zone you're in I'd do a few tracks send them, and then he'd come back and say that was great or change the course. And I do it, it, bam, and album's done. So, you know, it's kinda 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 used to that. I mean, I like don't get me wrong, <clears throat> I would prefer the camaraderie, the you know, blah blah blah, hanging out, you know, sitting in the rehearsal studio or practice room or whatnot. You know, it's easier sometimes to bounce ideas off of each other and you can get in a reaction. But you know it can be done, and like I said, I guess I'm just I'm kind of used to it. So I don't know. What was your question? <laughs> no, that was <laughs> that was
0: exactly what I was uh, I was curious about. And and so as you as you started thinking about the new record, how did you? What was your involvement in the in the creation of the songs? Initially, Robert, were you were you engaged with, with the other guys? Uh, As well, or was it kind of uh, like the first record where they sort of sent you some stuff and you put your spin on it?
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of the same process. I mean, Brad has already, or Matt and Brad have already sent me a few clips of some stuff they're working on, and I guess with me, when they send the clips, they, you know, there's like some kind of gremlin in my head that goes, "You can do this, that will work," (laughs) and pretty much that's it. You know, that's kind of what happened with the. the first one there. I mean, shit, I didn't, honestly didn't know I, inside or out and got up there and we just sat down, talked, knocked it out, bam, done.
1: What we did for the first album is just, you know, we we bounced things off each other. You know, obviously, Robert knew, you know, we had sent him the material, but literally when we got down into the studio, it was just like, okay, here's the set of lyrics. Let's see how we can fit, you know, this chorus into this, this verse into this. And I mean, it was really... Uh, a lot easier than I was ever expecting it to be, especially working with somebody I've never worked with i mean it just it it really went by very quickly i mean we literally we did the whole album in two days vocally and and that that was coming from Robert never singing these songs nor having any idea how they were to even to be sung. Wow,
3: <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> and I was gonna
2: add too I was just gonna add too that you know Robert had a huge input on what happened with the final outcome, I can think of several times, every time I listen to the album, like I remember just Robert coming off up with that on the top of his head, like a, I don't don't know how to explain it, but you know, there's a couple, uh, maybe Robert, since he's uh, classically trained on piano, can explain it in in music terms, but uh, a couple melodies that have kind of a Middle Eastern vibe to them, where he just kinda uh, goes up and down with his vocals and that's, I think that's kind of a trademark of his. And, and, uh, but yeah, I can just think of several things on the album where, I mean, Brad and I didn't know exactly how anything was going to go. So we definitely put that together in the very end, all, all three of us.
0: So you're in the midst of recording the new record. Where are you in the process right now? What's, uh, what's the process looking like right at the moment?
2: Um, right now, uh, we have all... Rhythm guitars, drums, and bass recorded. And so we got the core of the music down. And then uh, from there, we just got to figure out when this damn virus is going to end so we can get Robert in here and do his magic on it. And then, of course, I usually wait for guitar solos or fills because, you know, it's important to understand what the vocalist is doing and where something can be added or maybe it doesn't need to be added because, you know, we came up with something there vocally that fills that space but i think we'll probably have some good ideas of where like the set guitar solo goes but outside of that i mean we've talked about it and i'm sure robert will have a lot of input on it as we get closer is that you know the first album i'll just say was fairly basic and like i said that had intent to it but this album we're trying to go the extra we're going to go the extra mile and you know i'll just call it ear candy there's a lot of a lot of spots for different source of ear candy, whether that's vocally or, you know, a guitar fill or something or a sound effect of some sort. We're definitely going to flush that out when we're all together.
1: It's,
0: you know, as I'm listening to you, Matt, it strikes me as interesting, you know, a lot of bands uh, that I've had the opportunity to talk to rely on that sort of organic experience in the studio, but you've had to be really sort of thoughtful about how you bring things together because everything sort of fits like a real layer as opposed to being sort of a mashup of a bunch of stuff that sort of flows out of people.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see that Um, on this album, though. However, however, Brad and I, you know, we had a rehearsal studio where we would go in and and jam the songs out. And so I think the flow from just tossing ideas back and forth from that and then uh, actually recording it, I think... It was definitely beneficial because when you jam it live you might say like well maybe these two parts don't fit together maybe the tempo needs to change and that's really hard to do online when you're changing tempos because you know i might have to send send brad like 10 different versions of it what do you think of this tempo what do you think and then not only just send him the files but i'd have to replay that part like 10 different times so when you get together it really smooths things out and i think when you hear the new album some of the parts I think you're really gonna. I think I hope people will be impressed with it. And uh, there was a lot of thought that went into it. I think one of the things that Brad and I always agree on is, you know, some bands can can get a little busy, I'll call it, in certain parts. <laughs> and we've and we've always felt when you have Robert as your vocalist, that's where the busyness comes from. You know, that's that's the uh, that's the golden goose right there. So to leave open spots for that vocals to shine through, I think is probably one of the most important parts of songwriting you know
0: it's an it yeah it's definitely uh a component that you have to sort of pay attention to and be ready to embrace um when you've got a tool like that and you know the flip side of the other part of the you know, yeah, it was,
3: robert is a tool yeah, did you just call me a tool <laughs> 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 uh, a valuable
0: resource. How about that? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well,
1: my job, my job would call you essential today. That's what my job would call you today. Essential. <laughs> yeah.
3: Essential. Yes, an essential part of the business.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, obviously, the, this whole Corona thing has thrown thrown your schedule off. Um, pretty substantially in the lost the show and all of that. But are you, uh, do you have a target for trying to wrap up the, the record? Uh,
1: You know, I don't, I don't know if we've, you know, uh, as far as like, you know, getting Rob here to fly, we have no idea how that, you know, how that's going to even work as far as just, she seems like everything's very up in the air as far as that goes. Sure. Um, I mean, we, we still have a lot of stuff, you know, to do musically that I think, you know, like uh, you know, I messaged Matt the other day about mapping out some ideas of where, you know, uh, the guitar solos might be or where we think they could be. I mean, I think that's important. So you, when you you know when you get down into the studio with Rob, it's just not, you know, I think having some structure is is good. I mean, not full structure. I mean, there's always room for, you know, hey, well, this could sound cool here, but but having some structure I think is important. So that way you go down and it, it you can kind of get down to business without just having no recollection or no idea where things Yeah, get a baseline. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're just trying to be proactive with the unfortunate situation that's going on. And (laughs) we've been sending some stuff back and forth to Robert just to get his ideas, uh, you know, on how things are and, you know, how things are, you know, the new ideas that we've done on the album and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely, you know... definitely night and day compared to the first album as far as just musically goes but I think uh, we've pulled a pulled out a lot of a punches on this album pulled out some tricks you know out of our bag and this is definitely a lot a lot more variety a lot uh, a lot more interesting but but like once like once again what Matt said you know the first album was was written for a reason it had intent to you know the reason that it was the way it was and and i and I couldn't be more proud of the album to be honest with you
0: you uh you yeah. described the sound of the band as doomy sludge. What is that what does that mean to you guys?
1: Well I think that I think that was something that I came up with because I mean you know, when I when I was talking to Matt I was kinda like, you know, saying when we first started I was like, Well I kinda wanna because my last band was some somewhat like that, it was more I guess more sludgy than Doom. Um, but I always wanted to be more doom than sludgy. So it was kind of that, you know, like you put your chocolate in my peanut butter and, you know, your peanut butter in my chocolate thing. But the doom thing is just speaks for itself. I mean, that's something that is really speaks volume to me as far as just the whole feeling of what I was trying to make Grief Collector be. But I also like the sludginess of, you know, the bands like Trojan of Conformity and, and Acid Bath and, you know, stuff like that that just kind of had that kind of swampy, kind of just slow, kind of dredging kind of feel like you're, like you're just being pulled underneath something. And, and that's kind of how I felt about some of the riffs that Matt and I had came up with for the first album. So I just, I, I just always felt that it kind of had like a doomy kind of sludge kind of feel to it, that it just had some feeling of just uncomfortableness, you know, which I think sludge has in my opinion. Yeah, that
3: was well, kind of Therefore, that is why A Mournful Pact is my favorite song. You know,
1: I was
0: just actually going to say that, too. It is my favorite song on that on that record. And, I, in fact, I want to play that uh, for people here in a minute. But uh, I wanted to get you guys to give us a little intro of that song. What, what should people listen for as we play that track for them?
2: If you notice how Robert sings on each verse and chorus, he, it's almost like he's in character in Act 1, Act 2, Act 3. And every... You know, every line is sung a little bit different, and uh, if you notice too, there, uh, from a production-wise, there's a little bit different uh, production on each one of those those verses. And then, of course, the emotion for me is that if you can, you know, I would just suggest anybody listening to it to read along to the lyrics, because there is a you know a personal story behind that that. And uh, I just think that the way Robert sang it and the, the way the music works together it just came together as just this perfect thing in my opinion anyway
1: i know i know i had somebody had mentioned online that it had a blues kind of feel to it kind of a bluesy kind of uh, hmm, uh yeah. kind of sw- kind of swing thing goes which I, we had no you know we didn't write it with that intent and we wrote you know the the feeling that we you know thought the the, the song you know needed and 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 that just kind of came out in that way but the more I listened to it it's, it does have that kind of that kind of bluesy kind of swingy kind of thing going on to it but in a, a really dark fashion which I mean it really fits you know the lyrics and I mean and and like Matt did say and you know, all the you know the lyrics are very personal and it's a very especially on the, that album that would definitely be the more uh, probably the most a personal song on the album for me. Um, And I, and I think, you know, with Rob singing, you know, exactly how I was envisioning it to, you know, be heard. I I think it just, it just nailed every, you know, line that I just was hoping to hear. And it's just, to me, it turned out great. Robert,
0: what, what is it that makes it your favorite on the record?
3: I don't know. I just kind of got that, uh, like big stomping elephant just <laughs> dead, dead, coming to fucking take your ass away, you know, and <laughs> just walk all over you. It's just, mm-hmm. it's I don't know, it's just got that, that heavy vibe that just kind of makes you want to just, you know, punch somebody.
0: It is very, <laughs> very heavy.
3: Like uh, Matt was saying, you know, it's just, it, it it builds on itself, too, you know, so it's, it's not just a linear thing. And I, that's what I like about it because it kind of crescendos and then it kind of backs itself back down. And, you know, it's like I said, it's not linear. Right on. Well,
0: let's give people a chance to listen to it. This is A Mournful Pact by Grief Collector. You are listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles here. We are on the phone with Grief Collector, Robert, Brad, and Matt. And uh, gentlemen, you are bringing some new musicians to your live show. Um, You've been a trio. What's it been like incorporating them into rehearsal and getting them ready to play live and getting them to be a part of the the stage
1: show? It's been amazing. I mean, uh, the funniest thing is, you know, when we first started jamming with Brian, and Jaden, who are from the, you know, from the local band from Minnesota, Cold Colors. Matt and I found ourselves messing up more than and Jaden and, and Brian. We were like, oh, <laughs> it's dead serious?" We were both just going, "Oh, I thought we knew our songs better than we did." And they came down, you know, knowing, especially Brian. He just he knew all these parts, and was and he's like, "No, that's not how that chord goes." And I'm like, "Oh, you're right. Okay." Um, wow. But so. <laughs> It, 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 it just felt really good to actually play the songs, like, as a whole band, so to me, it just kind of really gave us some validation to, like, okay, like, this is real, this isn't just, like, us, you know, wanting to do something, it, you know, it and, you know, I've known those guys, too, for a long time, so it just felt real natural for me, and then, I mean, just looking over to see Matt, like, he just, his face was just, like, lit up, like, oh, we're actually playing these songs. It it was 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 a really cool vibe, and, you know, we were working on, you know, we had some tempo issues, you know, because we were just, I was very excited to play these songs, and we were never really, you know, we've never played them with a band before, ever, Um, you know. uh, So it was just a really cool experience, um, and I'm hoping, you know, when we do get this chance to, to bring the show live that, you know, it'll be amazing for, for us as well as everybody experiencing it.
0: Matt, you're probably the most impacted in this because at least in the recording studio, you're playing all the things with strings and yeah. now you've got a chance to focus your attention. How does it feel to have those guys sort of taken some of the weight off your
1: shoulders?
2: Oh, it's amazing. And I mean, they're just great guys too. I mean, Brian, Brian, If him and I were in a room for an hour, I think my face would hurt from laughing so hard. He's just such a funny, funny guy. I mean, I just felt the the chemistry immediately, and and I hopefully they did too. And um, but yeah, I could just focus on, you know, just doing my part, being part of the band, and and uh, like Brad said, the the accuracy that they wanted to play it at showed me that they really meant business, and and that means a lot to me too because I like myself personally i like to be you know play the songs correctly you know not just make up a different live version uh <clears throat> so yeah it was it was amazing just to hear the bass thumping along with the drums and hearing another guitar crunching along with me and it, it just yeah i can't can't thank those guys enough for being a part of it and too bad this virus hit because uh we put a lot of time in getting those songs worked up and uh you know, that's one thing that kind of, I don't want to say derailed, but kind of put the, the album a little bit on pause mm-hmm. because, uh, Brad, I mean, not only did, uh, those guys have to learn the songs from scratch and try to, you know, read my, uh, my handwriting <laughs> and mm-hmm. on the, ta- on the, cor- on the chords and stuff. But Brad and I actually had to like sit down and relearn these songs from 2017 or 18, whatever it was. And, and so it took a lot of, uh, personal study at home and a personal uh, practice time at home to, uh, to get them down. And so uh, that's one thing that kind of put the album a little bit on pause. But uh, I guess to answer your question, it it just felt amazing just to be able to just do one thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> as as you guys think about the band, you know, down the road a ways, is it always going to be the three of you and on the recording end, or do you think you'll ever... Incorporate other musicians into your recording as well
2: me personally. I'd like to incorporate other other guys Um, But yeah, I think probably Brad and I will and uh, and Robert will Continue maybe putting the core of the songs together and you know, it it just kind of depends on If we can get everybody back together in in the rehearsal studio and maybe write the old I don't want to say the old-fashioned way, but with everybody in there like hey, I got this riff and Maybe somebody else has a riff, but I'm I'm definitely open to it. And I, you never know. It's just more tools in the toolbox that might make it better.
1: It, it's, it's that's a very hard thing to say because I just don't know if that will ever be something that is, you know, a scenario for us. I mean, it's especially as you know, sporadic as this band is, you know, we might play one show a year. We might do more. I guess it depends on, you know, what. You know what the future has for that aspect. I mean, Mm because I mean, unless we're unless we're playing live, I don't see any reason for for anything. You know, any other people to really be involved as far as that goes. And and I'm I'm a true believer that you know sometimes you need a core group to really because then things start changing a lot. And then I mean, granted, you know, you kind of want a fresh perspective on it, but then all of a sudden your albums really don't sound like they're supposed to because that's you just get so many involvements that all of a sudden you're, you don't sound like you you know, you intended to be, you know, to sound all of a sudden, you know, it's like, oh, now you guys, oh, you guys got a little black metal element in there. And this is like, ah, okay. Like, well, that was Danny, you know, like, I mean, I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> to me, I just, I, I like the fact that, you know, Matt and I have a very similar idea of what grief Collector should sound like. And you know, I think you know Robert knows you know what we're capable of doing and and the product that we're gonna put out and 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 he's very from what I know or you know from what he's expressed that he has faith in what we're gonna play to him he's he's not gonna listen to something and go, that's not grief collector or that's not you know that's that's not what you guys do mm-hmm. you know I think everything that we've we've put out, I think is a reflection of what me and Matt really wanted this to be. And and then when Rob came in, it, it's, it just added more, you know, spice to it and just make it, made it come alive. I just, for me, I I don't see that in the future as far as, you know, maybe live, of course, you know, we, I think that that's a a given, but I don't, I don't know if this will ever be like five guys as grief collectors. It's, It's hard to say, but, You know, it depends on what the future holds as far as shows and and tours and everything else goes.
2: Yeah, and I I can just uh, add on to that, too, that I've been in many band situations where the five guys thing never works, you know, because somebody's feelings always gets hurt and then they end up quitting. And, and, uh, you know, so that can be a touchy situation, too. And so, but yeah, I mean... I'd love to hear Robert send me some uh, guitar riffs and incorporate that into a song somewhere down the line too.
3: Yeah, I uh, I also agree with the core writing team because then that that's your product, that's what you're doing, and then basically this sounds bad. The other guys can be hired guns, and those hired guns can be whoever whomever it is at the time that's needed. But if you've got your core team. You're gonna get across exactly what you want, what your ideals were, and what your thoughts are, and then the other guys can lump it or leave it. You know, it just that's what it comes down to for me, especially in a project like this.
2: Yeah, think of that scene in the movie Rockstar. That explains it when Marky Mark comes back from a a break with all kinds of ideas, and they already have the album recorded, (laughs) and they pretty much they pretty much tell him that me and this guy. We write the music, you sing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Wish I could do an English accent, but it's pretty, pretty funny scene when you, and you, when you watch it as a musician, you're like, you know, that's pretty real right
3: there.
0: <laughs> and Robert, you've you've been performing around the world for over 30 years. What does it mean to you to to work with a new band uh, like Grief Collector? What what gets you excited to join a new project?
3: To me, it's just, I mean, it's quality music. I mean, it does something my soul and these guys killed it they nailed it and you know if honestly if it wouldn't have affected me internally, I wouldn't have done the
0: project and and as you think about the creative experience the creative process with with these guys what what is that vibe like for you as and you think about it at this point in your career is it does it feel the same as when you were first starting out as a performer?
3: Oh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, opening a new president. It's like, hell, fuck <laughs> like, yeah, this is what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> you know, one of the, uh, the other songs that I really like on uh, From Dissension to a vowel is, uh, is To Grips, the last song on, on the record. And, and, Robert, I'm curious to know, uh, specifically on that song, what was your reaction when, when you first heard that song?
3: It's hard to answer that because, I mean, honestly, when I was there, some of the stuff I was kind of hearing for the first time. So everything was just, you know, I had a lot of enthusiasm and just energy for everything that was there. Because, again, it was it, it, the whole product, the, the package is amazing. And it is, you know, it's up my alley as far as quote-unquote doom goes. I was like, here, throw me another cookie. Let's go. Keep it coming. Let's <laughs> or another Natty Ice, or whatever, whichever. <laughs> let's, uh, let's let's crack open a Natty Ice and, and play that that
0: tune. This is To Grips by Grief Collector from Dissension to Avowal. welcome back to blast beats and bicycles uh, we've got the guys from grief collector Robert and Brad and Matt on the phone with us uh, Brad that that song is a really interesting way to close the the record it's it, in a lot of ways it feels really hopeful what uh, how did you plan the, the record out and what was the vision for putting this song uh, at, the, at the on the tail end of the record
1: uh, well you know I mean as the, as the five stages, you know, as you go through them, you know, you're, you're finally reaching that, that point of acceptance. And I want it to really, uh, you know, have that shown within the lyrics. Um, I mean, it still has its dark undertones, but you know, I, I really want people when you listen to the album to, to know that, you know, and I've gone through it, I mean, for, for many years, it's something that it's that ride that you, that you take mentally, that, finally at the end that even if it's just a glimmer that you just you just go okay things things will probably be all right and in and, and, and to grips finally was that song is like finally i've you know it, it, within the song i mean it's it, you know i've come to grips with everything that i've experienced and this is this ride you know it'll, it'll be good we're, we're, we'll 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 find our way through it and that's that's something i really wanted you know I didn't want it to be, you know, you got like a misery and woe, which is just kind of just drags you down, like, mm-hmm. you know, drags you down into that hole. You know, it's, 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 it's kind of the middle of the road, you know, you're kind of halfway through it and you're not sure, you know, is, is it going to be the end? Is it going to be, does it get any better than this? You know, is this, can I get through this? And, and, you know, to grips really, you know, is that song that really makes you say, yeah, you know, some way, somehow, you know, that there is going to be that spot to where you're just going to wake up and be like, all right, let's get let's get shit done. Like we're, we're we're good.
2: It's interesting that you brought that up about that song because, like I said, I was kind of a spectator, you know, doing most just doing the computer work while uh, Brad and Robert were working through the lyrics. And there was a line that there just wasn't room for, and it's the line that says, through sudden loss and questioned faith, I find the strength to begin again. And uh, right where that little trippy guitar harmony comes in at the end, that wham 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 wha, at the end, something just hit me. And I said, "This will, that line will fit in there. And I felt like it like would give it, like you said, closure, some closure to it. And then Robert stepped up the mic, and then he didn't sing it once, he sang it twice, and he sang it the second time. You know, the first time he just kind of sang it normal, and then the second time he... He gave it the onion you know and and really add some passion to that line and then the the, the spoken part at the end of that song where robert's kind of doing his i don't know if it's a eulogy or you know yeah the spoken part at the very end while the while the uh classical guitar is fading in brad and Ro- i think i can't remember it but brad and robert came up it might have been robert where he just said maybe we should just talk talk this out through at the end you know like which brings
3: good closure to the album. Yep.
0: What, what inspired yeah. you to, uh, what was it that inspired you to do that as a spoken word section, Robert? That's that uh, It's a really interesting choice.
3: Well, pretty much like, uh, what, what, uh, Matt said, you know, I was thinking, dude, this is the end of this whole fucking ride. And, um, we're going to close it out with this. And you said like said, you get the pretty guitar coming in. It's like, let's just, Trail it off is like some dude, you know, just standing there, staring out into space, going, you know what? It's what I got. Let's deal with it.
0: It's it's really a powerful closer to the record. There's no question about that.
2: Um, I want to say that Brad Brad wanted that. You know, in terrible times of uncertainty, I laid the rest of the cold pale sun, whatever. I want to say, at one time, Brad said, oh, I wanted to get get that into the song earlier somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> mean... You know, it,
2: was, well, it was a really cool lyric, and then it just... Yeah. I don't know, through working it out, that, you know, that's one of the benefits of everybody being there together. That's where that idea... wasn't my idea, but it was a great idea.
1: And that's the thing with, you know, with the with the album, is just, I wrote words, that's what I did. And then we just fit them in where they thought they would fit in. I mean, you know what I'm saying? There was... A, there was really not a lot. I mean, there was some structured spots, but, you know, especially in Grips, we had these parts that I had written, and then, you know, I thought, well, we weren't going to put that in because it didn't fit. And then I wrote the, you know, the words for it, but Matt said, well, I, this is how we could sing it, and it would fit in that part that he had just talked about. So I was like, oh, cool, I, I like that line. I'm glad we could fit it in. But then we were getting to the ending, and we're like, oh, and I was like, I really like that, that eulogy. Part that I had written, I was just like, that's just a really shame that that wouldn't be in there because it really seems like, you know, in the part where it talks about, you know, recite a eulogy for my yesterday. To me, it really just seems like, you know, yesterday is dead. Let's start today, mm-hmm. and I just felt that is the perfect ending. I just didn't know how that would be possible to even put in the song. And then Robert said, well, if we just say it, almost like he's reciting, you know, he's he's telling to himself, you know we're going to get through this and and this is my, you know, eulogy for yesterday. Let's start this fresh today. We're, you know, and, and when he said it, I was just in, you know, that very ending part, I was just like that. That was just, you know, the cherry on top. I was just like, that's the perfect ending. And it just, so it was just really just on the spot figuring out things, you know, it was just like, Oh, we could put this there. Let's try that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't, but that album or that song, I should say, uh, there's was just little parts that were like, oh, we don't have enough room for these words, but we still made them fit, and it didn't feel like it was just put in there for no reason.
2: Yeah, and that should be a uh, a resume for Robert's voiceover career. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, it's like maybe I don't know if it would be better if we had Vincent Price, but it's probably a tie.
0: <laughs> I uh, I'm I'm curious, you know, as I as I think about. Uh, as I was looking forward to your upcoming show or what should have been your upcoming show this this Saturday I, it struck me as you know this record is designed to be linear you know the songs take you on a on a journey and wondering how you would fit that into a live show along with the new music that I know you want to play uh, and get get out in front of people as well do you think that you'll always or never play them in the same order during the live set?
1: So hard to say. I mean, I think that album is pretty pinnacle as far as needing them in the same order. I guess for me, it, it seems like it's a it's you know with any concept album, it, it feels like it should be you know sure. uh, in order. But you know, they all the songs, even for the new album, are written with that moment as far as what they're written about. So they all have very similar feels to as far as uh, lyrical content. So I don't think there's anything like you're going to go from, you know, these songs to all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're talking about swords and dragons, you know. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I don't see, you know, the, the set list being like too, too strange as far as that goes. But, um, you know, this album definitely is, is uh, you know, me and Matt, you know, consciously you know, wrote it with the fact that, you know, w- w- let's do this, let's, you know, let's pull out some different things that, you know, I don't think people would expect from from the first album, and let's, mm-hmm. let's give them a little, you know, let's give them a little taste of, you know, uh, some other elements of what we like, because we're not just Doom guys, we're not just, right. you know, I mean, we, we, you know, I'm a big 80s metal dude, and, you know, Matt really likes power metal a lot, so there are these little slight hints of different different things within within this album that is a very different ride than than you're going to get from the first album and so Endelirium is going to be you know something I think people will be very surprised about but in it, but still know that it's Grief Collector.
0: Are you thinking are you kind of giving people a taste of the new music? Are are you thinking that you might release some singles from the new CD before you? Put the official record out.
1: Ahead, uh, well, Pat. we have
2: a, a ways to go on that. I mean, by the time we get production finished, we, I think it'd be in our best interest to at least check with some labels to see if we get any interest there. Mm-hmm. So that could possibly postpone releasing it ourselves. Because you know, there's sometimes a label can help us with touring and, and playing shows and stuff like that. Where if we're just kind of on our own, it's a little harder that way. But
1: have you had
0: some conversations with labels yet?
1: Uh, Yeah, I've I've actually, you know, last year we had talked to a label um, based out of the Midwest here. Um, We did actually a conference call with Robert and Matt and myself. And uh, it's literally like, you know, the the first um, video uh, introduction to, you know, from Dissension to Evolve, before the album even came out, I did this little... um, video on, on youtube in the cemetery just kind of giving it this little uh you know peaking people's interest and literally within that week we we got a label interest out of sweden so i've been uh, uh i'm not going to mention the label right now but i've been talking to them uh yesterday and the day before and stuff like that so there's a couple you know interests we just need to you know figure out what's going to work best for us um as far as you know uh, the best fit I, I should say. so yeah we, we, we're talking to a couple people at the moment.
0: in the in the meantime where do, where do people find your music? Where do they where can we send people to, to go find you?
2: They can find us on any major streaming site, you know iTunes and Spotify, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're on YouTube and then for uh, direct album purchases, uh, they would want to go to bandcamp.com. So it's basically just bandcamp.com backslash grief collector. If they want to buy an album from us. That's right now. That's the best place to go. They can get a digital stream too. They can just, they can either get the physical CD and that comes with the full album, uh, MP3 digitally also, or they can just download the digital version of it. But if you really want to support us, buy an album.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to ask you, I mean, what, what is the what what can people do you know with all this weirdness going on and musicians struggling to you know figure out how to play live when all the places are closing how do how do people support you and other bands right now?
2: I think it's the same way they would support us, you know, whether we were playing live or not, and that's you know if you like a band and you want them to stay around, uh, you know it does take some involvement from the fans. it's it's a two- way street, you know that mm-hmm. you know because <clears throat> when you uh, look at the cost of just making an album not to get into all the financial stuff but it can get very expensive and uh getting that support back from the fans is just priceless i mean it's it, you know i doubt many people are making money doing it but at least helps the cause so to speak and definitely but yeah but it's so i think whether they're playing we're playing live or whether we're not you know if you like i do it myself if i like a band After I check out their tunes, I'll go purchase at least a digital copy. Mm -hmm. And that way I know that that, uh, they're being supported in what they do.
0: We'll make sure to uh, put a a link out to all of your various uh, social media when we get the the podcast up. But I want to see if you guys would be willing to maybe give a little tease from the new record. Do you have something that we could leave people with to whet their appetites for Indelirium?
1: Yes, we do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think me and Matt have, uh, we kind of have, I think Matt's mostly been kind of mixing and kind of messing around with one track in particular. I think we'll probably be the one, uh, you know, that that will be playing as a teaser. Uh, obviously, we don't know the title or, or anything other than that. Uh, that kind of comes in a later date, but it will definitely give you an idea of where we're at with the new material for the new album, and I think um, people will be pleasantly surprised.
0: Well, I'm, I can't wait to hear it, and I really appreciate your willingness to uh, give us a little a little tease here on the on the show. So we're gonna we're gonna take people out with that. But before we do that, I just want to thank you again, Robert and Matt and Brad, for coming on Blast Beats and Bicycles here today.
3: All right, stay doomed.